recording. There we go. I am on and going. Well, it's good to have everyone here with us this morning. Does anyone know what happened about 4,000 years ago today? Anyone at all? Oh, come on. On this day, 4,000 years ago. Oh, come on. It changed the world. We're living in a civilized world because of what happened 4,500 years ago, ungefähr. Uh, we don't know exactly the dates, but close to it. What happened? Come on. Somebody. Caitlin, do you know? No. Okay. Ethan, do you know what happened? No. Who wrote the first five books of... Right. 2,000 to 2,500 years before Christ. Right. Around Moses' time. Moses' time. What took place on this day that far back? What were they celebrating in Jerusalem on this day 2,000 years ago? Ungefähr. No, Passover would have been during the time of when Christ's resurrection. What would they have been celebrating 50 days after? No, Yom Kippur is in October. Come on! What is today? Finkston. What does Finkston mean? What is it? It comes from the word 50, because it's 50 days after Passover. What? It's the day of Pentecost. It's also the day that the law was given. The law was given. Have you ever stopped to consider how amazing the law is? I mean... I use the law all the time when I'm witnessing to people, and it's so much fun because the Bible tells us the law is good if it's used rightly. If you don't use it rightly, it's no good at all. Because if you're trying to use this, Caitlin, I'm going to just tell you, if you're trying to use the law to prove how good you are and how bad your brother is, you know, we all know how bad he is, but... And we know that you're better than him, but to prove how good you are, uh, grab your Bibles and let's turn to Matthew chapter 19, and we're going to read verses 16 down through, oh my word, I've messed this up, uh, down through 23, uh, 22, sorry, down through 22. I was going to try to do through 26. But then I realized that's just too much to try to cover in one Sunday. So Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 22, it says this. And behold, one came and said unto him, this is somebody came to Jesus. They said unto him, good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He said unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man said unto him, all these things have I kept from my youth up, liar, sorry, I just 
sorry. What lack I yet, Jesus said unto him, if thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard this saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father God, thank you so much for this account that you've given to us uh, of you dealing with this young man. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to apply it to our lives today. Uh, help us to understand uh, just at least a little bit of what you put in here uh, and, and help us to apply it to our lives. There's so much here. And uh, Lord, I know I can't get to it all, but uh, Lord, I pray you would just open up our minds so that we can receive your word a little bit better today and then apply it. Uh, we love you and praise you. Uh, Lord, if there's someone that's listening or watching today that they don't know you as their personal Savior, I pray that they would understand this a little bit better too and, and understand what it is to have eternal life and, and why this is so important, what Jesus said here. Um, again, have your will and way in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This story, uh, I am I am pretty much convinced, uh, 95% sure, and, and when I get to heaven and God tells me, no, you're wrong, okay, you're fine, but I'm about 95% sure that this is Paul that Jesus is talking to here. Uh, this young man with much possession comes to Jesus and starts asking questions, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? Um, is there one thing that you can do to make your parents happy? Is there one thing that you can do? Let's say you do that one thing. You clean up the kitchen. Robert, you go into the kitchen. You clean it all up. You put all the dishes away for your mom. And, and, and you've done that one thing to make your mom happy. But on the way back to your room, if you punch Addie in the face, do you think she's going to be happy with you? No. And so please keep this in mind when you're watching what is going on here. What good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus is one thing, really? You, you think there is one thing that you can do that will trump everything else and get you into heaven. Let's back up just a little bit before we get into this. But I want you to be thinking about this as we go through. But where has Jesus been? What has he been doing? How did he get to this point? Well, the disciples have been arguing and fighting along the way as they're going to Jerusalem over who's going to be greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now, let's stop right there and let me ask you this. When you, I think we all have siblings, right? Each of us in this room have siblings. Nobody is an only child in this room. Uh, when you would argue with your parents over, or with your siblings over something, did it please your parents? Joy, when you would get into a knockdown, drag out fight with Drew, was your mom happy with you? No, not at all. And, and I could just see this happening. Uh, she's got older brothers and sisters, and I could just, or an older sister, not sisters. But I could see this happening in their house. She is just so unruly sometimes that, you know, I could see her trying to knock down Drew and take the, the Game Boy away from him and, you know, whatever it is. It doesn't make the parents happy. Okay. And, and so they have been fighting along the way. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? 
And, and then what does Jesus have to deal with? He's got the religious people coming to him saying, well, what about divorce? Isn't divorce, you know, aren't we allowed to divorce? But if, he, if Jesus says, yes, you're allowed to divorce, well, then you're not following God. But if he says, no, you're not allowed to divorce, well, what about Moses? Do you see the catch that they're trying to put him into? And to this day, let me reiterate again, this is a tough subject. And then Jesus deals with them a little bit about eunuchs, but then the small children come up to him and he blesses them. And I want us to remember that, okay? As we keep going through this, he's blessed the little children. He's been gracious to the little children. And we ought to be gracious to children. They are, they're, they're tender, they're sensitive. And, and if you deal with them correctly, and each one is different. Ethan is not the same as Daniel, okay? I think we can all agree on that, right? Okay, and, and it's not to say that Ethan is better than Daniel. God has gifted Daniel in ways that he has not gifted Ethan. And, but we've got to be gracious. I was taught this uh, years ago. We had this lady in our church named Mama Sue. And uh, I was saying of one of my children, Kendall, she is the stubbornest little kid we have. I, she is strong-willed. She doesn't know what she's doing. And, and she's just driving me insane. And Mama Sue came up to me and she kind of put her arm around me. Brother Clark, you know, she was always so respectful. Brother Clark, you know, God has gifted her this way. And if you would embrace this, maybe God could use this strong-willed determination, if you would call it what it is, it's determination that God has given to her. Maybe she would use this somewhere else. I mean, and I see that, that God is doing the same thing, you know, using that determination when she knows that something is God's will, she goes for it. So blessing children was very important. And, and Christ has just gotten done with blessing the children. And now he's come and they're starting their, their walk again. And Jesus has put in this wonderful situation. I think we could all say we would love to be in this situation. Evan, did you have this last week at your Mesa, uh, did you have anyone come up to you? Please, please, please sell me the frog thing. I want it. I've heard about it. Please give it to me. I need it right now. No, you had to go and you had to. Do you, do you know about my product? And you had to be the one selling it. But if you had someone coming and saying, I want this product, I've got to have this product, that would make your job so much easier, wouldn't it? Okay, here we've got Christ coming, and you've got this man, who I believe was Saul or Paul, coming up to him, what do I do to get eternal life? How do I get into heaven, you might say. And Jesus is saying, why are you calling me good? Now, this is important because it helps, to, helps us to understand something that in our day and age, we don't get very well. Um, we don't get very good. <laughs> yeah. Is my English good or is it well? It, 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 I am not speaking correct English. Ethan, please do not speak English like I just did. Uh, I've got an English teacher up here that's ready to, to shoot me. She's gritting her teeth. She said, how could you do that to English? It's not proper English. I was using 90% proper English, but that one little percent, it was not good. It was not well. What do you, 
use right there. Uh, see, I, I just don't know the rules all the time. I know what sounds correct, and I know what sounds incorrect, but sometimes you get it wrong. Uh, but here you've got this ruler coming up to Jesus and says, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus answered him, why callest thou me good? The, the rich young ruler, in some places he's referred to as a young ruler. That's why I think it was Paul. He had sat under Gamaliel, and he was leading people. He was already a rabbi, but he realized, I am lacking in places. Um, he had a wrong idea of what it is to be good, to be a good teacher. When he came to Jesus, he saw he's a good teacher, but did he acknowledge him as God? No, he was just a, a step up from all the other teachers. He's maybe on the level of Gamaliel, maybe a little bit higher than Gamaliel, but he's, he's definitely not God. If he knew he was speaking to God in the flesh, what do you think he would have done, Ethan? If, if this rich young ruler realized that I'm speaking to the creator of the universe, do you think he would have done what he told him to do? Maybe. I mean... Robert, would you sell all that you have and follow Jesus? Yeah, because you don't have anything. I mean, what do you have, really? Your your cars, you know, your toys, your would you get rid of all your toys to follow Jesus? Yeah, that's a no-brainer, right? Um, but for us as adults, we think, well, you know, I've got my car out there, I, I've got my job, I've got this, I've got that. Sell all that I have and come follow Jesus, it's a little bit more difficult. If you don't have anything, it's so easy. Uh, that's why, especially, uh, I think it's important for young people to start following Christ early, because if you do, there's really no big deal about this. But here he says, you're a good teacher, but he didn't acknowledge him as God. Um, he didn't have to have everything exactly right. Uh, a good person doesn't have to have everything exactly right. They just have to have most things right. Do you see that? Um, I was reading in a devotional just this last week, uh, my almost for his highest, you've heard me talk about it before, but he makes the statement in there, the good is always the enemy of the best. And, and let me ask you this. If, if you, your marriage is good and you're content with it being good, if you're content with it being good, are you going to work for it being the best that it can be? Probably not. If you're content with where it is. Um, if your grades are good enough, that are you going to work for the best grades that you can get? Um, our pastor in, in Oklahoma, he said, uh, in college there was always one class that he just let slide. Out of all of the classes that he would take uh, in a semester, he knew he couldn't get an A in all of them, so there was one that he would let slide to a B. He didn't do his best in it. He did just enough to get by, and he would let it slide because he had a full-time job and whatnot. It was good enough, but it wasn't the best. He could have gotten all A's, but he let something slide. He wasn't the best. Was that wrong? Absolutely not. In school, it's good. passing is good enough, okay? That's always been my, if I could get past uh, one of our paces with an 80%, if I got 80%, I was happy. That was, that was 
All you had to do to, to move on to the next pace was get an 80% and then you could move on. And if I got a, an 80, I was ecstatic. I mean, that was just, I can move on to the next thing and I can forget everything I've learned here and I can move on to the next one. Uh, well, with spelling, with spelling, it was just a guesswork for me. Did I get it right this time? And, and, and you, you guys have heard the story, have you not, of when I'm taking a spelling test, my mom, is give, she was the teacher. She's giving me the, the, the test, and I'm spelling the word and taking so long, and I've spelt it about three different ways already, and I just cannot figure it out. And I look at her, and I said, Mom, how do you spell that word again? And she just blurted it out to me because, yeah. She, she was so used to me asking how to spell a word. And, and so she spelled, and I'm writing it down real quick, hoping she's not realizing what she's doing. And then she gets to the end, and she's like, wait a minute, you erased that. So I erased it really lightly, but I could see it through. It. You know, I was devious that way, but good is not the best. And if you're just aiming for good, it will keep you from the best oftentimes. If you're aiming to just do enough, it's going to keep you from something great. Wives, is it just, is it good enough that your husband is just, okay, he's not a great husband, but he's, he's a good husband. He does, he does enough. Is that enough for you? Let's put the shoe on the other foot. If your husbands were to be asked, husbands, is it good enough that your wife is a good wife? She's not the best she could be, there are about 10 other things that she could be working on and be 100% at, but she's a good one. Is that good enough? Most of us are saying, yep, that's good enough for me because I'm just happy to have a wife. I mean, I know how bad it could be without a wife. I've lived on my own for a few months and don't want that. So just as long as she's there and it's good, okay, let's work on doing better later on, but I'm content with good. Christ is not content with good. And he points this out to this, this ruler, this young man. He says, what does it mean to be good? What, then he goes on, the young man has a, good, a, a wrong idea of what good thing. Like, there's one thing or another that I can do to get into heaven. If you don't steal 90% of the time when you go to the store, are you a good person? I mean... Cameron, if you got caught stealing from the BX only 10% of the time that you walked into the BX, do you think you would be in trouble with your commanders? Probably. Probably. You would find a nice long sentence. You would get to tour Fort Leavenworth for a while, and it wouldn't be pretty, okay? But it's 90%. Isn't that good enough? 90%? Okay, let's say you don't kill people uh, 99% of the time you're not killing somebody. Is that good enough, Robert? I mean, you don't try to kill somebody 99% of the time. But there's 1% of the time that you're trying to kill somebody. And do you see where I'm trying to get to with this idea? Good is not good enough for God, Right? Good is not good enough for God. He demands perfection, and you cannot deliver. <laughs> That's the whole long and short of it. He demands perfection, 
and you cannot deliver. And this young ruler thought, if I am perfect in one area, then he'll allow me to get in. That's not the way it works. He had the wrong idea of what it is to be good. He had the wrong idea of what eternal life was all about. What good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? What was his idea of eternal life? Well, you see it later on down in there that his idea of eternal life was living the way he was right now, no changes. Because he didn't want to sell what he had now. It was good enough for him right now. He didn't want to mess things up. He didn't want to sacrifice what he had right now for something that was probably going to be the same way in the future. And, and do you see the problem with that? He was not willing to sacrifice. And life is a, 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 a... To have a good life, you're going to have to sacrifice in places. Uh, you've got to sacrifice to eat. You've got to sacrifice to have a family. Uh, when I look at what Kendall just went through... Uh, with little Kyler, uh, the sacrifice that her and Nate are going through to bring this life, you know, to, to make sure that Kyler doesn't just lay on the floor and die there, you know, she's got to get up in the middle of the night and take care of it. Uh, when he has a dirty diaper, she's got to take and sacrifice her time to take care of him. Do you see how sacrifice is so important for a good life? Okay, sacrifice is so, so important. You have to sacrifice being willing to put down your game for just a little bit so that you can do what you know you need to do, whether it's schoolwork or whether it's time with your spouse or whether it's time with your kids or time with your parents. You have to be willing to sacrifice. Uh, we learned in our house last night you have to be willing to sacrifice having fun at a game to get a good night's sleep so that you can be ready for church in the morning. You know, it's just, there are sacrifices. And is it good to play a game? Absolutely. I'm happy to see my kids play in a game. But when it's time to go to bed, you got to sacrifice the good for what's better, okay? And, and I'm not trying to get onto them. We all have to sacrifice something. You can't just do what is fun all the time. And this guy, he didn't want to have to sacrifice now so that he could have eternal life. What was his idea of eternal life? His idea of eternal life appears to me to be thinking, have the life that I have right now just for eternity. That's not what eternal life is. Does anybody want to know what the definition of eternal life is? Well, Jesus gives it to us in John chapter 17, verse 3. He says, and this is life eternal, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. That's eternal life, that we know the Father and the Son. And, and you might say, really? That's all it is? You mean no ice cream here? Really? Uh, no, no amusement park? Uh, just knowing Him? But I think when you start to understand knowing Him, let, let's try to put it this way for a kid to understand. If having eternal life, uh, if you got to know your dad so well 
that you just were able to go with him all the time and do whatever he was going to do. And You know, today we're going to go to Disney. And tomorrow we're going to go over here and go to the Caspian Sea. And the next day we're going to go down to the Mediterranean Sea. You think that would be exciting, Robert? Uh-huh. If you got to spend all the time. With, yeah, we've got to go to Disney, Euro Disney, to, to install these, these frogs. Wouldn't you want to come with him to, to help him install all that? That is a good, okay. Uh, or if he's going to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to think, brainstorming. Think of the crazy Legoland. I mean, Legoland was great. And, and yeah, we're going to Legoland today uh, because they've, my job is calling me there. You would want to be right there with him because, and, and if he said, you know, you got to help me a little bit, you got to help plug some of these things in, you know, even a little kid can plug these things in. Even a little kid can do this job. Go through and plug all these things in, and you get to stay, hang out with me. What is Christ asking of us? Get to know me and tell someone else about me. Get to know me and tell someone else how good I am. This is eternal life, that you would know me and you would know the Father. And, and I guarantee you, whatever you imagine of how good the Father is, He's better, okay? The Bible tells us, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. Okay, it, it's just, you say, well, eternal life for me, I would have a Porsche. Uh, do you think there's got to be something in heaven that goes faster than a Porsche and is cooler than a Porsche? And is, I mean, Cameron, can we imagine something like that? I can't, but I think God has it. Okay, and so this is what Christ is telling. And the ruler has a begrinced, he has a limited view of what he thinks eternal life is. So what does Christ do? He answers his question with the question, why? How many of us like to hear the question, why? Why are you doing it that way? Why do you want that? What's this? Why did, why did you marry him? You know, what's going on here? We don't understand. Why? Nobody wants to have to defend why to themselves. Why do you do what you do? And trying to give an answer is sometimes tough, but that's what Christ does here. He says, why callest thou me good? Now, I've heard Muslims, oftentimes Muslims and Jehovah's Witnesses use this exact verse right here to say, see, Christ is not saying that he's God. That's not at all what he is saying. He's just asking for clarification. Why are you calling me good? You know, what is your logic behind this? You say I'm good, but then you don't act like I am good. You don't understand what good is. And that's what Jesus is trying to get through to him. He wants him to know what goodness is all about. Why is he called a good teacher? Well, even in uh, John chapter 3, verse 2, you have Nicodemus coming to him by night. He says, uh, the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do the miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Nicodemus had already recognized this earlier on, and you see it from other places that they had recognized that, that Jesus was different. Uh, the, the rulers in the temple go back to the priests and say, we didn't arrest him because nobody teaches like this. He is teaching different than everyone else, and we just couldn't arrest him. And, and then they berate them, and they say, are you going to be his follower too? 
And then Nicodemus stands up again and he says, does our law, back to the law, does our law judge anyone before it hears him? Well, you come from Galilee, so does any good thing come out of Galilee? You know, and so you see how they're trying to berate Jesus all along the way, but they recognize he's different. Um, he wasn't denying that he was deity. He was just trying to help us to understand God's view of good. When God looks at something and he says, that is good, is there any flaw in it whatsoever? No. In fact, when you look back at Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, and he says, it was good, it was good, it was good. He gets to a point and he's looking at his creation and he says, it is not good. When is that? When he has man alone there. It is not good. And then he makes woman and he says, it's very good now. Why is that? Because you've got two coming together. One alone is not good. It's not good enough. You need the two together to make that relationship that is so important. And, and so here Jesus is trying to help him understand what does it mean to be good? God wants perfection. Perfection is good enough for God. Nothing less than perfection. Uh, has anybody in here ever th thought to yourself when you're, when you're cleaning your room and your mom or your dad comes in and looks at it and says, oh, really? And you think, isn't it good enough? What do you want? Perfection here? I mean, has anybody else ever had that thought? You want perfection from my room? What is perfection for you might not be perfection for me. I mean, those dirty socks on the floor, they're a help. You know, you take and put your foot on them and you can take and mop up all the dust bunnies and whatnot. It's perfect. You don't have to bend over. You don't have to... Okay, never mind. Some people are finding that funny and other people are looking at me like, Brother Clark, your wife has got to... She has a tough time of it. What is good? Uh, sometimes we look at it and we say, I just can't do good enough, so I'm going to give up. Where do we find goodness? And that's what Christ is asking here. Uh, he says, why callest thou me good? There's one, uh, uh, there is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt uh, enter into life, keep the commandments. Now, what has he done here? He's pointed him back to the commandments. If you're trying to do good things, you've got to go all the way back to the commandments and keep the commandments. Uh, James chapter 2, verse 10 tells us this, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. Okay, so let's keep that in mind. Maybe this good ruler, this young ruler, was fairly good. He had kept the law 99% of the time. And you see this as you go down through here. He said unto him, which, which one? In Luke, Jesus starts giving him the, the commands. And, and let's look at these commands real quick. Thou shalt do no murder. It doesn't mean just thou shalt not kill. It's thou shalt do no murder. You, you're not supposed to kill somebody in anger. That's what murder is. Thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. What does, he, what does he mean by saying, thou shalt not bear false witness? Can somebody help me with this just a little bit? Thou sh what? Okay, thou shalt not lie. That's what we think of, but when he says, thou shalt not bear false witness, it sounds like a courtroom. 
you're witnessing before somebody and you're not supposed to bear false witness. Does that make sense? And, and here's something that I want to point out real quick here. Um, if we lie, we're not in court, but we're lying, say, to mom or dad, or we lie to our spouse over something. Where did all the money go? I don't know. I didn't spend it on toys this month. I didn't buy a new game this month and spend all our money. You know, we're not lying in a courtroom, right? But the earth, the heavens are the throne of God and the earth is his footstool. So where, what courtroom are we in all the time? Whose courtroom are we in all the time? We're in Christ's courtroom all the time. This is his courtroom. And if you lie to someone that is created in his image, wouldn't you just as well lie to him? Therefore, you've broken this command. Thou shalt not bear false witness. So uh, when you start meditating and drilling down on these laws, they get a whole lot more specific than what you might think. And that's what Christ is trying to do to him. Then honor thy father and mother. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now in Luke, uh, it, it says, thou shalt not covet in this place. Um, and I saw something interesting here, and I don't want to take up too much time on this, but not coveting and loving your neighbor as yourself are tied together, okay? If you covet what your neighbor has, are you loving your neighbor as yourself? No. And if you love your neighbor as yourself, are you ever going to covet what they have? No. You're going to be happy that they have something that's good for them. My neighbor, he has a Porsche. I love that he has a Porsche. I love to be able to hear his Porsche start. I love to see him out there cleaning his Porsche. Uh, it's just, it's so much fun to, to talk to him about it. He opened up the hood the other day and let me, hey, smell this. Doesn't that just smell good? The, the motor of the Porsche. I mean, I'm like, yes, uh, obviously. Do I want his car? Obviously not. I can't afford it. I, I I would be afraid I would wreck it coming out of the garage. It's so tight of a corner going around the corner. I don't want it. I'm not coveting, but I am so glad that he has it. Now, am I breaking this command in other places? Probably. I don't know. But at least in that one, I think I'm okay. But we ought to be questioning ourselves. But here Christ is trying to get the rich young ruler to understand you are not good. And the rich young ruler just doesn't get it because what does he say down here? The young man saith to him, all these things have I kept from my youth up. I have done these. I am, do I am perfect here. Now, I don't think there's anyone in this room that if they came to me, Joy, you're included in this. If you came to me and said, I'm perfect. You know what I would, I would say to you? If Addie came to me and said, I'm perfect just the way I am, I would say, you're a little liar, okay? I love you, Addie, but you're a little liar in this instance, okay? None of us are good here. Uh, we're just not, and, and we know it, and yet this rich young ruler says, I have done all this. I have kept all these from my youth, and Jesus, I, I really believe, on the one hand, you know, the Bible says he loved him. On the one hand, he's like, you're so close, but yet still so far away. On the other hand, he's like, give up, stop fighting me here. And you see when Christ is dealing with Paul on the road to Damascus, how long will you kick against the pricks? 
How long are you going to fight me on this one? We've talked about this before. How long are you going to keep fighting me? I mean, when I work on the farm and I have a stick and I'm trying to get a cow to go through a chute and you're poking it in the backside, how long are you going to kick? I mean, it's so funny because especially if you've got a good long stick, you can sit there and poke it in the backside and, and it will kick at you and it's nowhere close to hitting you. I mean, and you're just back there. Just, Come on, keep on moving, keep on going through. And I always picture Paul doing the same thing. He's just kicking at what God is trying to do here. But how often are we trying to kick at what God is doing in our lives? He's trying to get us from good to the best, and yet so much of the time, what I'm doing right now is just good enough. It's just good enough. We're making it. And he's saying, but it, if you would just give this up, it would be so much better in the future. What does Jesus tell him to do? Okay, you think you've kept these from your youth up, 21? Jesus saith unto him, if thou will be perfect. I love the wording there. If you're going to be perfect, if you're going to make yourself perfect in my eyes, you've got to do this. Go sell all, uh, sell that thou hast and give to the poor. You've got to sell it and then you've got to get rid of it so that you can never get it back again. Is he saying this because he wants him to take care of the poor? No, he wants him to give up his God. How many of us have a God in our lives and we don't even realize it? This young ruler did not even realize that he had another God there. He said, give to the poor and thou shalt have treasures in heaven and come follow me. He was giving him what eternal life is right then and right there. Get to know me. Stay with me. Hey, follow me. You're going to see some really neat things if you follow me. What would this rich young ruler see along the way if he would follow Jesus from this point on? Would he see people get healed? I mean, would that be... If you could follow somebody around and you knew that they were going to heal somebody in the next 15 minutes, do you think you would want to stay by next to them to see the miracle take place? I mean, would that be worth it? Or, nah, my Game Boy is waiting for me over here. I want to play my Game Boy. I don't want to see... Evan, I really don't care if you can heal somebody. I'm going to play my Game Boy. No, I, I want to see what you do here, bud. I, I want to see... Maybe because I want the same thing that you got. And, and, and the rich young ruler was willing to give that all up. He was sorrowful. He went away sorrowful because he had much possessions. Now, what does this mean for us? What can we use or what can we learn from this? Well, we can learn the law is good, but it's not good enough. The law is good and right and holy, but it's not good enough to get us into heaven. Because we've already broken it. We've already seen. If you've kept the whole law and offend in one point, you're guilty of it all. Okay? And, and you might say, well, I've never killed anybody. Has anyone in here ever killed anybody? Don't raise your hand if you have, because I don't want to know about it. Okay? But have you ever coveted something that someone else has? I have. I'm a lawbreaker then. Oh, yeah. You never okay, okay. Some of you are better than I am, and that's okay. But have we broken God's law in some point, any time in our life? Then we are law breakers. And the Bible points that out to us. Um, we need to understand that the law is good, but we've got to use it right. What is it supposed to be used for? To drive us to Christ, 
to help us to see that he is the only perfect one. We are not perfect. It should drive us to Christ. We should use it to push other people to Christ. Next thing that I see, we need to understand that real, uh, the real purpose... Hmm, I don't know what I've written here. The real purpose is to, uh, to drive us from good to the best. Um, and, and, and we need to recognize what the best is. What's the best? The best is having a relationship with Christ. Um, when we see James chapter 1, verse 17 and 18, it says this, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creation. He's begot us, he has saved us, but he saved us with a purpose. And, and if we will know what that good thing is, we've got to be doing what he's told us to do. Um, it, if you've been told what to do, Robert, we're going to pick on you, we're still picking on you, Robert, sorry about this, but if your dad has told you to do something and you tell him, no, I'm not going to do it, do you think you're... That, that was a good reaction. I love that reaction. <laughs> but if you think, okay, Dad, I'm going to do it, and then you don't, do you think you're going to get good gifts from your dad? Or do you think he's got a gift for you that, yeah, Mr. Smacky there, right? Yeah. It, 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 do you think our Heavenly Father is any less loving and caring than Evan is? I mean, Evan's a great dad, but our Heavenly Father is so much better, and He has such good gifts He wants to give to us, but so much of the time we are not paying attention to what He wants us to do. We're just, I mean, I have the same problem. I, I go through the day, and I don't even think about, well, have I told somebody else about how wonderful Christ is? I was having a discussion yesterday. We had our Arbeits Tag um, at the uh, Bogen Schiesverein, the, the uh, uh, shooting range. And, and so I'm out here working with a Russian, and it was so much fun. I was working with this Russian. He said, can we speak English? It's easier for me than, than German. I'm like, sure, it's easier for me too. So, so here we are speaking English, and then I have a Taiwanese kid come up and starts working with us, and he's listening to our conversation. But uh, the whole conversation was about, well, it's matter and a spirit. And I said, no, it's about a relationship. That's why we were created. Why would we, you know, it's all about relationship. And I just can't see that yet. And, and But we spent probably an hour talking about this and trying to go back and forth. And I'm not trying to hold myself up on a pedestal. It just happened that it was working at that moment that we could talk about this relationship. But how many other times through the week did I miss it when I should have been talking about what the most important thing is? He's given me so many good gifts, and yet I don't think about what he's given them to me for. Uh, why not? We need to be pressing towards that or else we're just like that rich young ruler. We think that it's all about us receiving gifts instead of us glorifying the Father. Last thing, we need a relationship with our Creator. That's eternal life. 
That is what life eternal is all about, is having that relationship with our Creator. And the closer you get with Him, the more you want to... I mean, I loved it this, this morning when Evan came in, and he's talking about what he's selling. He is excited about it. I, I love that he's excited about it. I'm excited for him. It's a cool product. It's something that most people could use in their homes or in their businesses. Doesn't matter. It's a cool product. And I love that you're excited about selling it. We should all be the same way about Christ. What has he done in your life? Think about it. What has he done in your life? And, and what should you be willing to give up to get him? I mean, what are people willing to give up to get this cool device that you're selling? A couple thousand bucks in there? Yeah. Is it worth it? Probably. It'll probably save them money. What should we be willing to give up for Christ? Is it worth it? Absolutely. Will it? What will it bring to your life that you don't have right now? Well, you say, well, I have everything I want right now. Do you know there might be something that you're missing out on? There are a lot of people that have never tried Dr. Pepper in the world. They're missing out, okay? And they don't even realize that they're missing out. Okay, uh, but we know that there are some people that are just missing out. And there are some people that it's their job to tell them about Dr. Pepper. Okay, that's silly. We all know that that's a silly. But isn't it the same thing, though, with Christ? That's what he saved us for, is to tell people about Christ. And he's given us the law, but not just that, because we're in the new covenant. What else has he given us? To help us with the law? What else has he given us? What are we celebrating today? I've heard it earlier in the, in the service. What else has he given us? The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to help us along the way. If you've got the law, and you've got the Holy Spirit, and you've got a Bible, what more do you need to get to know him and to get to share him with others? We have all that we need. Now we just need to go about it. Don't be like the rich young rule that, that goes away sorrowful. Says, oh, I don't want to get rid of my toys. Be willing to give them up. He's worth it. Let's go ahead and close in a word of prayer. Dear Father God, thank you so much for your word that you've given to us today. Uh, thank you for all the good things that you've given to us. Uh, help us to be faithful, to be a witness for you. Help us to be faithful uh, to share what you've given to us. And Lord, I pray that if there's someone here today or someone that's watching, someone that's listening, that you've, you're asking them to give up, to give up their sin, to, to give up their pride, to give up their their fun so that they can get to know you. Uh, Lord, I pray you will give them the, the gumption to do that. Give them the courage to do that. Uh, give them the, um, the endurance for that. Lord, I pray you would just make all things possible so that they can repent and turn to you. Uh, Lord, you said in your word that you grant repentance, and I pray that you would give that to them today. Uh, have your will and way in all that we do today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.